0: Uh, I will continue a bit uh, where we uh, stopped last week. On my behalf, this is uh, the last lecture. Next week, we will have many school who will tell us more about machine learning and, especially, I believe that he will talk about the changing context and uh, the trustworthiness of the predictions. Um, referring to self driving cars, you have, to be, you have to be very, very certain. If what you predict, you really trust in that. Otherwise, how can you make decisions where Looking at the data on on, uh, on screen is one thing, but to make the life decisions driving cars is different. So. Um, The topic that we are now covering is about uh, multidimensional modeling of data, and uh, as used in online analytical processing in the roll-up uh, data analysis. So the problem is that when you make uh, databases for daily routines, daily operations, then you think about how to. Update data, how to make sure that everything, all, all the database uh, is uh, consistent, etc. But you don't think about analytical goals. And uh, that's why for the real analysis we need to extract data, transform data, and load for analytical proposed, uh, uh, processes and purposes. Yesterday somebody was. I did not check that study, but uh, you know you get to you get to believe the headlines in the media. So the the amount of work that goes to data cleaning is immense. It's it's actually biggest part of your your work. So the the headline that he was referring to was that that he had estimated that maybe about eighty percent of time goes for data preprocessing, cleaning, etc. But the study showed 75%. So basically it's uh, 75 to 80% goes for data, manipulating data before we start analyzing data. So whenever you get... Uh, I don't know how your projects now are, but in, uh, in the course, whenever we uh, try to give out data, in most times it was already uh, already pretty clean. Uh, so that that part of the working with the dirty data, uh, cleaning data, trying to figure out what we crude, you have not been doing so much, I hope. So um, for dynamical purposes, we need to understand. Um, so, so try, I'm trying to summarize it here. So, so we learned these uh, descriptive statistics that we can visualize the, the, by the um, different charts of the data, Try to understand trends uh, visually. But then the important part, of course, is, is uh, predictive analytics, when we start predicting something. And uh, that's where the machine learning kicked in. Uh, that we want to predict the class, the classification of the data or would we like to predict the value, the particular value, uh, using the regression analysis. But in practical uh, terms, when we uh, look at the, the big businesses uh, like shops, etc., we again try to understand the entirety of the data. What, is, what happens in, in, the real, uh, in the real stores, for example, how much products are being sold, etc., just to understand the business side of the business side of, of the of the enterprise. So the technique was multi-dimensional modeling, where all the facts that you want to summarize are put into a single uh, central table of the data warehouse.
1: So basically,
0: uh, if if we think about a simple uh, supermarket, then you're, you you care about how much you sell something, how many units, how many dollars, uh, what is average. Average, say, for how many units uh, at, at which price, and maybe you can calculate averages then. Of different products, different items, so, item is in this case a, a product. In a specific store, uh, well, no, the, the store is in here, the store branch, and the location uh, in which. Uh, city, etc. So you can uh, select uh, region, uh, store branch, uh, product brand, and time, and then summarize from these central fact tables, uh, page all the rows that satisfy your query, and then summarize using these measures. So uh, this is the Snowflake uh, schema there, for Dimensions of the stores can can be uh, and should be probably quite uh, comprehensive, so that you really model uh, what, what what you are going to query from the central database. You don't want uh, to put in the central table uh, any any. Any values except the surrogate keys uh, pointing to the to the respective descriptions and vice versa, so that you can fetch uh, the particular rows from the fact table. So this is the uh, principle that we we want to understand what are the main facts that we want to aggregate over and then describe the facts by appropriate dimensions uh, describing by which we would like to query uh, this database. And then, uh, once we select for certain uh, region and brand or different item types, we can do these multidimensional data cube uh, summarizations. Uh, Look by different dimensions Uh, across the data, Uh, look at how the different days, different products uh, have been sold maybe by different customer types. that's with which uh, this kind of cube is, is then user perspective to the underlying data. The problem is of course that if if you think of a really large database, that there are many, many facts, right? Every sales is separate. Every purchase of an item is separate. So the fact table is huge. Once you formulate a query, you have to fetch many, many rows from the database and summarize. But because you always summarize in the same way, if you want to understand product sales in certain days, for example, then of, well, all the res- r- responses will be exactly the same, right? So these uh, summaries, aggregates, we can in fact pre-calculate, or keeping uh, cache, materialize the queries. If queried, uh, then you calculate, but then re- later reuse, for example. That gives a lot of opportunities for optimization and developing the all up tools to make it all look very efficient. So that when you look start uh, looking at the tube as much as possible is pre-calculated and for the end user it everything looks as magically fast. Even though in the central fact table you may have hundreds of millions of rows. So this is uh, up to the uh, then uh, basically the, the tool vendor, or maybe yourself, to try to figure out uh, which values are are better to uh, pre and cache materialized in the database. And then of course it all depends on the, how frequently you query certain types of uh, values, uh, how fast response times you want, how much storage you have, and what is the cost of updates. And if you update the data, you have to recalculate everything. This was our view of the multidimensional, in this case three-dimensional data cube. Uh, all the items, uh, whichever uh, dimensions are there, and specific city, product and date is the most specific value uh, that, that you can have. And then you can start uh, narrowing down, basically, across all the city's specific product and date, and then you can decide whether to pre-calculate and materialize uh, this value. The hierarchies, the different dimensions, and uh, the, the day uh, of, well, basically the calendar day, uh, from the calendar date, you can calculate what week it is, or what week-week day it is. Year, quarter, months. You can allow end users to query by months or by weeks, by specific days. So, uh, so these uh, uh, data uh, you can make into the specific uh, SQL tables now. Now the problem is that. Uh, we want to analyze across many years. We want to analyze across 10 years. And it's uh, of course uh, impossible that nothing changes over the course of 10 years. Maybe not everything, but so many things are changing over, over the time. Um, in the dimension tables, if the new store comes in or a new product, you just enter, uh, enter that new product. Adding new product, new supplier is easy because you just add rows in this dimension table and start using this in the fact table. When, when you add rows in the dimension tables, uh, then, then that is easy because the existing rows do not change. Well, sorry, uh, when you add rows, it's fine. But the problem is, what if we start changing the existing growth? Something changes in the store, uh, the product is slightly different, uh, then we need to start changing the specific dimension values. And uh, some things are changing very slowly over the time, not frequently, maybe once a year or once in five years. Uh, but yet, we need to figure out how to deal with these uh, problems. And what kind of approaches? One is just not do anything, uh, just be aware, but you don't need to do anything. Uh, the alternative is that let's start uh, versioning dimension by, uh, tables, dimension values by, by, by timestamps, uh, adding special facts, uh, trying to uh, record the previous and current values, trying to record all the changes, uh, so some of these uh, kind of uh, techniques. Um, I'm, I'm just telling this to you to make sure that you, you you understand that this is not a static process, and the ones who are working with this kind of data modeling, you have to think about that. I'm not going to give all the recipes, just that you, you think about the possible pro- problems. So. Um, An example we have, in a specific store, sell 2,000 items and the store has size 250 square meters, for example. Then what happens when we upgrade the store into 450 square meters? That's easy to do in this table, 450. the fact refers to the same item sold 2,000, but next day we're going to have 3,500 sold in the same store. And of course, now the problem is that in the larger store it would be natural that you sell more than in a smaller one. The 2,000 and uh, 3,500 are not comparable values anymore. Yeah. That is the problem. So uh, we could just overwrite this size in here, but then of course uh, we know that uh, in the historical data we will have incorrect values. Um, but the it is is easy to implement, and therefore, case we should keep that in mind, maybe that is a good trade But the, the understanding that this uh, this has happened has to be there somewhere. What if we start versioning uh, these changing attributes? We can, we can make a new role in the dimension table. We can say that we are not talking about the same store, let's make a new instance of the store and give that a new uh, identity. The new identity, of course, has to be with the surrogate key. So the, the question here is, is if you have used the zip code of my store in, uh, in that region, then you can't update the zip code. So the surrogate key is just a new entity of the store. The new entity of the store makes uh, dimension table slightly larger, but it's actually the dimensions are still uh, rather uh, rather small, so it shouldn't be too much a, a problem. We can now start capturing correct data in the data warehouse and the uh, query uh, should not be a big uh, problem. When things change over time, then maybe it's hard to describe the uh, dimensions, but, maybe, but maybe, maybe we can also fix uh, that a little bit. So making a new version of the store would look like in here, so just a new entity of the store with a larger size, and then this O2 refers to this uh, new entity of the store. With the new entity of the store, uh, there is still no clear capture of the time when the, the, the store was updated, and uh, before and after events. Maybe by the timestamps you can figure out uh, a little bit um, but we, we may also decide to add the time dimension, um, so that uh, the new time dimension, that, that, that the two facts will not, uh, that simultaneously new facts uh, will start referring to the new dimension. With the new uh, time uh, stamping, uh, you, can, you can basically, uh, again, understand when something has changed uh, and, and write your programs uh, respectively. And again, we make uh, slightly larger fact tables. The, the special fact in here was that something has, has changed, and uh, from that moment on we will start referring to the new uh, store entity. So it's possible to version uh, um, the rows and timestamp but the problem of uh, all this keeping uh, up to date all the old and new data is uh, is what is needed. Okay, I will, I will uh, s- two versions of actually changing attributes one containing the current value uh, the other one containing the previous value so you can you can model the data but you have to you have to think through what are the possible uh, threats and uh, pros and cons okay so I mentioned splitting. Many dimensions. Um, I think I think these uh, things are more relevant once you start really uh, dealing with the data. Um, and, uh, and the question, like I, I think, once we have this in the in the income groups, Okay, I, I, I was borrowing these slides and uh, and uh, since we are not doing this kind of research, then uh, I, I don't have very clear uh, answers in, in this uh, case. But the, the, the message is that we don't ever uh, have to take the data as, as uh, static. Data is going to change and when you analyze data, you have to also start understanding what's behind uh, the, the changes in the data. If we add uh, products or, or change the source, then we should see all of this in the data. But historically, uh, the question of managing the operational database now and looking over the uh, data across 10 years is a uh, slightly different uh, beasts. Um, the entire business of, of these business intelligence tools is, is of course larger, uh, quite large. Um, in different uh, business areas you need to do analytics. Uh, there are different vendors. Uh, this slide is outdated now. So the different uh, SQL vendors uh, are adding these multidimensional uh, properties um, Maybe using uh, simple uh, SQL extensions, um, adding uh, uh, multidimensional expressions in, uh, in Microsoft where you can do more uh, specific uh, summaries, uh, select uh, dimensions and uh, date here, uh, time, locations, regions uh, from a mini-data warehouse. And uh, uh, look at the uh, measures. So basically, you can you can get these uh, multidimensional extensions of the of the big uh, data vendors. And then there are many uh, tool providers that now provide these different uh, uh, different uh, dashboard uh, user interfaces um, <laughs> that. Uh, Everybody claims that now it's easy to uh, use by the business people uh, to look at the data. Okay, so um, in the um, the descriptive statistics, we did talk about uh, the histograms uh, density kernel density estimations but when you think of the the user interfaces of this kind of data warehouse summarizing across different uh, customer segments, for example or across different uh, ranges, then the user interface should either provide uh, the specific uh, ranges uh, in here so group the companies that are making loss, uh, or stores that are making the big loss look at the high profit margin uh, ranges or split somehow these uh, these data. And uh, these decisions may be, of course, done by the analysts. I want to look at this range, and this range, and this range. They can be recalculated, so made into the user interface that you can only look for age group sixty-five to uh, ninety-five, uh, but it can be also something that uh, user may want to define. If you think of the of the data cube abstraction, then if you define a new range for values, then you have to recalculate everything. So for the data model, if you use data cube, of course you want very static. Uh, ranges for the numerical attributes. Uh, the example in here uh, was that uh, I, th- I think I covered that in the, in the uh, descriptive statistics part, but maybe that was a little bit uh, uh, not so clear back then. We can automatically derive sometimes uh, the splits of the data uh, by thinking how many different categories you can you can observe in the data, uh, you would like to have the groups or ranges rather equal in size you don't want to have hundreds of different groups, you want to have small numbers and uh, this is the example where we can automatically take any numeric ranges and then try to split it in in hierarchies by different uh, value ranges by making automatic hierarchies so that we will have always as round numbers as possible. From 0 to 1,000, 1,000 to 2,000, 2,000 and above. And when you drill down to 2,000 and above, you again want to have uh, equal size ranges as, um, as homogeneous as possible. In here, between 2,000 and 5,000 there are uh, three different thousands, of course, it's actually to have three groups. But when, it, when you drill into the um, 1,000 to 2,000, then how, how many different ways you can split the 1,000? You can split it in, in 5 or 2 to be equal. Uh, so in here we can figure out that This range contains five natural groups uh, that are by 2000 uh, uh, each. So, in this, when you you go drill in to this range, you have five subgroups, in here you have three, and uh, in here you have four. Because that was from the minus 400 to zero, so that has naturally four occurring groups and uh, in this way you can automate uh, basically the making of the dimensions, the dimension categories by trying to figure out how many natural groups in that numerical range there is. If you would have for example from from, uh, 3000 to 9000 there would be 6 uh, thousand, uh, well, six uh, units, you can because split that into three equal groups by 2,000 each. So basically, uh, the 3, 4, five split says that if we take any particular interval that we want to show, if that covers 3, 6, 7 or 9 distinct values, and the most significant uh, digit then try to make it into three equivalent intervals so the seven values will be uh, two, 2, 3 and 2 for example but 3, 6 and 9 are easy to, to, to split uh, three equivalent intervals if you have 2, 4 or 8 of course then you can easily split into four equal intervals if it's uh, 1, 5 or 10 distinct values, then you can split into 5 intervals. So basically 3, 4, 5 rule says that when possible, use 3 categories, uh, 4 categories or 5 categories of equal sizes. And that allows to to take any numerical range and make the automatic uh, concept out of that. When you Get a new database, you don't know very well uh, the contents. Sometimes you can have the uh, concept hierarchies that you understand easily. Uh, there are less countries than uh, there are different states in all the countries, uh, then there is all the different cities in all the different states of all the countries, and streets, there is huge number of street names. So basically you can also count how many different countries, there are, how many different values there are in one field, the other third or fourth field, field and build the semi-automatic concept varieties. If you have few values, then maybe this is a uh, sub-classification of that. So then build automated uh, uh, dimensions uh, uh, by country, by state, by city, in the different states, by streets. So you can, in here, you can just look how many distinct values there is. Streets, there is a huge number, Uh, cities less, Uh, provinces or states less, countries less. Of course you try to make out automatically this type of product category that uh, the fewest values is, is, is at the top, and then you can uh, zoom into the one country, look at the different states within the country, different cities within the states, and different streets within the cities. So this this holds for the some concept hierarchies, but not for all. So, uh, for example, weekdays there is seven weekdays, uh, twelve months, four quarters, uh, one year. So the interior. The 12 months, 7-week um, days is not the, on top of the month, right? There is 12 months, but 7-week days. So um, to summarize this uh, uh, entire field of uh, all up and data warehouses, um, this is the way to summarize data in the SQL databases by making specific fact tables building around that dimension tables uh, from which you make a query and then select specific rows from the fact tables and then aggregate uh, the the data together from the facts so that you can... it all boils down to having this multidimensional understanding of the data the the dimensions of the data uh, that point to the fact table where you, you do the uh, aggregations. So it's all about efficient indexing of the large uh, fact table. You have dimensions across which you make the query. You get which rows uh, we should look from the fact table and then pass uh, aggregation on top of these rows. And that's basically how you can query uh, large databases. Partly, the efficiency will be, of course, uh, because there will be repeated uh, queries and you can uh, calculate once the responses, the values, so that you can later reuse pre-calculated values. So it's a technical way to get uh, efficiency uh, in this data cube abstraction. Dimension tables define what are the dimensions of the cube. And then you can look at the cube from different angles, uh, slice out, uh, drill in, to mount, uh, you, can, you can look at the data. And then build of course the dashboards with the graphical uh, charts on top of that data. So the entire data cube abstractions sort of like where uh, proposed in the mid-90s uh, in, uh, the, in the technical reports, I think, in, in 1990, around 1994 um, so about a bit more than 20 years old uh, concept uh, generalizing the SQL group by operations. Okay, uh, so this is uh, about the off part I will switch the slide back to the uh, clustering and seriation. We did not discuss the seriation, but before we do that, um, I'm happy to take any any questions. Have Have you uh, have you tried to locate some, uh, some multi dimensional queries, roll up type queries in the, in the actual products now? Have you, uh, do you have any experiences now with the uh, uh, tools? if you look at the C, uh, MySQL or, or these extensions? I think I was uh, saying that this can be on the bonus uh, points, but, uh, but most of the big databases will have some extensions to support uh, this kind of multi dimensional uh, queries. okay no everything is crystal clear. Yeah? Um, I don't think so because uh, it's really boils down to, to do to do this thing in practice and then then you learn the skills I can I can show the theory part in theory that should be done in this way but in practice you have to you have to learn uh, doing things. Okay, so um, in the, before I did the, the OLAB part, we were talking about clustering. Clustering of, uh, of data, usually we express the data as, as uh, data objects with attributes and measuring the distances between the objects, saying that everything that is uh, similar should be in the same cluster, everything that is different in the different clusters, or maybe outliers. And uh, Uh, We finished the lecture uh, back then about the graph algorithms. Uh, This was the example where a random walk-like algorithm uh, would allow us to do the graph partitioning or graph clustering so that when you start walking in the graph, then some paths are more frequent, so you keep those uh, clusters together where we frequently visit and start weakening in between clusters, so this slowly ends up in in making uh, making us clusters from the original graph. So in this in this random walk uh, that was actually not not making a random walk really, but simulated that with the matrix uh, multiplications, matrix uh, algebra, because uh, the links are from nodes, link exists to the other node. You can do the matrix representation of the graph, adjacency matrix representation, and then doing the matrix operations of these adjacency matrices, uh, you can implement uh, this algorithm really as conceptually uh, just doing a matrix operation, uh, doing some uh, equation, deciding which links to strengthen or weaken, and then. Observe whether there were any changes. As long as there are changes, you just keep doing the loop. So in the in this example, in four steps, you get into, that, into the into result. It may looks like different from from what I said that object object similarity, but you can think about uh, about this also that if you have two nodes that are uh, frequently linked together in here, two, two nodes are linking. right? They are in the same cluster if there are also some other neighbors, shared neighbors. So you can think of the node no similarity as how big is their common uh, friends overlap. So, you and you, how many friends have common in Facebook? You don't know? Look at him. If he looks at his computer, he can check it out for you quickly. So if you share many common links, then you are similar. Right? So, uh, um, and then you can cluster just based on that similarity, how big is the fraction of, of your friends overlap with his friends. Recommendation engines uh, uh, try to figure out what are your interests and try to predict uh, if you're interested in this or that, you should also be interested in this or that. Right. Uh, so the example of this uh, Facebook uh, was that uh, once you join one of these uh, esoteric groups like uh, uh, what were these examples uh, uh, cure cancer without doctors I mean whatever something like that is there extraterrestrial life forms on, on the planet earth uh, UFOs uh, sightings etc so the problem is that once you join one of these groups uh, you start a lot of recommendations uh, uh, recommendation for for all of the similar type um, other groups of different conspiracy theories etc and uh, the, the, the news about that was that uh, once you start getting into that dark side then that sucks you in t- totally because you start getting recommendations to the dark side even more and then you it doesn't help to get you out of that mindset so recommendation engines can be a can be bad. dangerous uh, thing. But that, that's that's actually It's just recommends something that you may be interested in because there are many common, many people who share the same groups, and then you start trying into that group. Right? Okay. So uh, clustering, uh, the concept you have. Uh, uh, no, let me, let me just uh, think for while. So this is a, also a, a graph uh, where you can start doing uh, asking questions like uh, like clustering, uh, which nodes go together. Or did, did I show this graph uh, this uh, in this lectures? No, yeah. in the in the algorithms, uh, I, I showed. So this is a uh, very simple social network. Uh, well, not necessarily. Graph, not a social network necessarily. On top of the graph, by different algorithms, you can identify different types of nodes. And one of the questions that uh, we can ask: Which of the nodes, let's say five uh, people represented by this graph, which node would you like to be? Uh, Let's talk business. you try to establish uh, companies and start selling uh, each other, and, and uh, you will be companies. Well, you will be customers of each other. So the, the arrow shows that you sell to that other company. So which company do you want to manage? The CEO of which company do you want to be? Four. Four. So, describe me the situation of the four. Why four? So, four has like, he sells to two, and he buys from two. Uh, is the, the but four isn't the one, is the one, that, one that, has. that has no partner. What? Four is the only one company that has no partner. Like, one, three is the partner of each other, two and five. Is that a good or bad? That they don't know, it's just a fact. Just a fact. Well, it gives you some independence, you don't depend on your partner. Like if uh, number 3 don't supply to you, then you also can't uh, sell the number 4, and then you basically bankrupt if uh, 3 bankrupts. Number 4 will go bankrupt? No, number 1, because you <laughs> need to get stuck from number 3. It's so you can start asking what is the robustness? of the network or what are the weak links or or strong links, What if, what is the effect if you if you don't uh, diversify your supply chains? So if, if this is the supply chain, right? then yes you want to be four because you can tell exactly what price you are going to pay for the vendors and what price are you are going to ask from the if you control the entire supply chain from the producers to the, whatever, the, the, the say, then you can set the market prices. You can dominate the market and get the biggest profit. Because you can control the trade. And then the next question is. Uh, so this is, uh, and you can identify on the graph these types of nodes. Specific uh, graph algorithms to try to identify the bridges, the, the uh, single connections between the groups. But what about if uh, if the arrow means a love relationship? Three loves four. So which? Uh, and by the way, two people love four. So that's a nice place. So, which, uh, which uh, node uh, you would like to be represented by? Two or five, maybe. One or three, or two or four. <laughs> um, One and three kind of love each other, but they also have the affection for four. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't mean that they should pack. I think 2 and 5, they feel better. Too. 2 and 5, they love each no. other, and they don't care if anybody else... This is basically number 4, maybe a stalker. This is the uh, miserable love position. Right. So, so, so basically on the graph, asking, but trying to put the semantics on top of the edge, can change the meaning of which of, which one is the preferred position. Uh, okay, so this is a sort of like a, on the graph you can you can uh, you can make different algorithms try to highlight different types of nodes, um, but what we are looking at now is sort of like I already said that the, the I don't know how to get of that error message. Um, the graph can be represented by adjacent matrix. So this is slightly larger graph and uh, eight nodes to eight nodes, uh adjacent matrix just says that from one there is link to one, three and seven. From one there is a link From one there is a link to three and seven, and the self-loop one uh, from every node self-loop uh, to, uh, to to each uh, well to itself. So this representation is equal to that, and uh, since we don't want to have large matrices, we can represent this just as a heat map uh, to have exactly that um, all the information captured in this heat map. And now, on top of this heat map, we can start uh, uh, doing things like reordering the rows, the columns, clustering of the of the nodes, uh, depending whether they have the same uh, link targets uh, or in, inwards uh, uh, pointing things. So we can uh, draw graphs of certain size only in this standard graph representation. But we, we can visualize much larger graphs in this heat map representation. And it depends what uh, which graph may be uh, more useful in which situation. So, um, where we are ending up is, is that we talk about uh, analysis of this type of, of, uh, of uh, data. We went through the clustering but now we want to talk about the seriation. So variation is a combinatorial way to analyze data by reordering objects into some sequence, one, one dimensional sequence along some continuum, uh, so that we see or observe the patterns in the data. So uh, this is the messy data, and this is the ordering. Uh, Well, this is the kind of clustering, but also there is some natural ordering within the clusters. Um, This is ordering. Just ordering by some some means. How many different clusters of men uh, there are in this case? Your favorite question. How many clusters? Three. Three. Blue and then the reds blue the, the red ones blue and and grays yeah. but there's two guys in between they're like yeah. they be how mm-hmm. it? so so the clusters in this case would say oh one two it depends now how you do one two three and then one fuzzy cluster in between in this variation, you would say that maybe there is a continuum from one slowly changing to red, changing to blue. This is a continuum sorted. Right? So the, the, the difference is between, uh, between trying to cluster or trying to uh, order. In a way, in this image reconstruction, we are asking what is the right order of pixel and road. So the clustering would also depend on what you need like if you are told that you need let's say uh, uh, six uh, orange men then you take this left one and then the most right one also as a orange because they have a little bit of it yes but uh, for example if you are told that you need two blue people then you take this one as a blue Okay, uh, this is a, this is an example. Uh, So, in the graphs, we show that there are nodes linked to nodes, but we can have, of course, matrices where we have objects and uh, objects and objects. This is like like a graph, but we can have objects and attributes. Um, In this case we are talking about binary attributes, but of course we we can have numeric attributes and measure the the, uh, uh, numeric differences in the binary uh, matrices. So this is n times n matrix, which basically says uh, one mode, n times n, countries, countries, or n times n, um, objects attributes, so most of the data uh, has been like this. So, this is the data of different, uh, uh, different municipalities, from 1 to 16, and highlighting by attribute whether this is present or not. Uh, high school is present in 8 and 11, there is no doctorate in 1 to uh, 5, 6, etc. So these are the <coughs> attributes and these are the different attributes typing numbers and different uh values. So, again, what are the, uh, how to cluster or how to reorder this so that it would be easier to understand. This is how you can reorder this data, uh, 11 and 8 share the high school So actually, these are the cities that have high school, railway station, and police station. And then smaller towns do not have high schools, but they have veterinary service, land reallocation, agricultural cooperative. So these are the towns, uh, villages, and uh, rural areas, the villages, and two of them do not even have water supply. Suddenly from this to this, we can reorder the rows and columns uh, and get a sort of like seriated view of this data. You can, you can say that uh, maybe clustering would give us uh, three uh, distinct clusters, um, but this seriation gives you a sort of more continuous uh, overview.
1: The question is how to go from this to
0: this automatically. Uh, this is exactly this, uh, the same image, and the uh, one that we showed in here was uh, manual reordering manual by hand. Reordering by time, uh, original proposed this example, and uh, reordering. And then the different uh, approaches try to capture the same with a different uh, uh, different with a different uh, success rates. So it's not trivial to, to take this data and always get this kind of output. So you can have different uh, methods, BIA, um, uh, ZODIA, uh, so MINUS techniques, so these are some, uh, some techniques uh, proposed for monotonous systems in, in uh, tablets. So Ilya in did uh, his PhD on this different uh, methods and looked look into the history and, uh, in these uh, thesis. It's natural to have to ask for some uh, ordering. In the case uh, originally it was one of these cases was ar- uh, archaeology. You go for the archaeological site you observe one or the other th- element uh, in different locations. You observe uh, pieces of pottery or glass or, or steel it's clear that steel appears later in time, and you would like to ask, what is the natural ordering through the time, historic time, of these different archaeological sites? So, some things, uh, uh, bones and spears and pottery, uh, later, instead of uh, bones, you have copper, copper as glass, and then you have copper, pottery, steel, which, whichever order it is now in here. So the, the timing, in the archaeology, the question was about timing. The new uh, items coming in, uh, in certain period of time. So the ordering would be the timeline. In the archae- the archaeology, it would be the timeline of, uh, of these historical uh, sites. We had an example of hierarchical clustering. Uh, just hierarchical clustering you can take data and hierarchically cluster but that does not tell you what is ordering between the branches of the cluster exactly the same data exactly the same clustering but we ordered to minimize uh, the jumps between from one row to the next so from this data of course this would be better uh, visualization than this one right? but with the uh, Hierarchical clustering, they are identical clusters and clusterings in here. With the hierarchical clustering at any given node, you can do both ways. right? So you can ask, okay, I have this clustering, but try to reorder the nodes in the way that we minimize the transition from one to the next. So this is sort of like clustering combined with the seriation, trying to put order within the cluster. (coughs) By the way, I don't know if in in R, when you do a hierarchy clustering, if, uh, if you can find some that tries to do this. Reordering of the, of the branches of the hierarchical clusters. Because that may be uh, better to recover the image the, the uh, that is on the uh, shuffled rows. So, data matrix, reordering of row, rows by the clustering, and within the clusters, reordering the, the rows. So, we can reorder the data matrix by rows. So this is row-wise uh, clustering dendrogram, and this one we calculated from row to row similarity matrix uh, This is the uh, clustering of the columns where column by column uh, distance or similarity matrix was underlying uh, this clustering. So by these dendrograms, uh, we can of course reorder the rows and columns of the data matrix. <laughs> so, this is data matrix, visually you calculate the distance matrix between the rows, the distance matrix between the columns and do the clustering uh, and question is what is on the data? This is like a shuffled image. Is there any clear pattern? Yes? Yes? There seems to be this chain. It's like the uh, Pareto uh, principle data. It's a lost (laughs) (laughs) daydream on the huge field. So, in order to go from here to there. We have been talking a little bit like clustering could be the clustering of the rows. Similar rows are put together Yeah, you get a group of rows, and, and then you try to reorder. You can do this. But in more general case, what we try to achieve in theory is somehow that is there a way to reorder the uh, columns and rows in the way that we maximize these homogeneous black spaces? That there is a maximal area of black. Where there is no white spots in here. We can also start uh, thinking about what is, the, what is the function to maximize uh, or minimize so that we, we would like to minimize the violations where black is next to the white uh, so that it, it's, it's all black and all white. Somehow that gives us in the black-white uh, space the best uh, uh, overview. But, but this is uh, you know, the just re- reorder data can be hard to see uh, the pattern. And uh, this kind of re- reordering the timeline, uh, I have to believe that in has done a good work. I uh, showed this from 1800, uh, before 1900 even. And then in archaeologies, anthropologies, sociologies, so that people have been doing, you can hear, see their hands, to so doing by manual reordering, by hand, uh, reordering the the rows and columns of the matrices. And and yes, the the, the kind of uh, questions about the clustering, biclustering, clustering clustering the rows, clustering the columns, doing the the two-way clusterings, they they can be one of the underlying uh, techniques. Um, the the kind of heat maps etc. Were, were made popular again in 1990s. Uh, uh, I was saying that the, the gene expression data, but in fact around the 1990s uh, they were uh, they were reintroduced uh, as a data analysis technique. Um, this 2001 hierarchical clustering optimal leaf reordering. That was the basis of this taking uh, the hierarchical clustering tree. Um, this is the clustering result. But if you reorder the clusters, you can get this kind of uh, overview. Of course, only if the data has this kind of features, right? Um, for the hierarchical clustering of n rows. How many different ways to reorder the clusters? Once you have one fixed clustering calculator. For n rows, how many nodes in the hierarchical clustering tree? 2 times n-1 so for 2 nodes we have 3 nodes for 2 rows we have 4-1, 3 nodes to leave 2 rows single node is enough when we have third, then we have another node when we have 4, we add another one so n-1 not 2n but n-1 Knows the heart. It's a binary tree. It's a binary tree with n leaves, and you should know by heart that binary tree splitting every time to two with n leaves should have n minus one nodes. Every node is branching to two, and uh, n leaves, therefore n minus one internal nodes. But if if in each node, n-1 node, we can do both (coughs) two-way decision, then that says that we have 2 to the power of n-1 different reorderings of the single fixed clustering tree. So we have exponential number of reorderings of the particular hierarchical clustering tree. Exponential number. Yet these methods to be efficient, of course, they have to be polynomial. So you can apply some uh, some dynamic programming decision, Uh, a in here to achieve actually to achieve the reordering, optimal reordering by by the whatever the function is, to minimize the from row to the next row to the next row differences, the sum of differences like traveling salesman problem, using that tree as a guideline. So that can be done actually. I think it was a quadratic or cubic time on on the number of n uh, n nodes. But in in principle, if you're asked that there is 2 to the power of n minus 1 reorderings using the hierarchical transferring tree, in total, how many different reorderings? Out of n you can select 1 as the first, out of n-1 you can select any one as the second. n times n-1 times n-2 is n factorial, which grows significantly faster than 2 to the power of n. So, uh, when we ask about optimal Reordering whichever function we, we come up with, then the search space is n factorial different orderings of rows or n factorial different orderings of the column. Different data may have slightly different properties, so sort of like a seriation in, in here or, or block, diagonal seriation, this is a like Pareto seriation. Uh, Checkerboard, seriation. So there can be underlying data that may have slightly different different properties. But in all of these, we still have one visually. If we say that, oh, this looks good, right? We still want to have something where we say that blacks are among blacks and whites are among whites that we maximize the number of blacks that are surrounded by blacks that there are no white holes anywhere, right? that there are no blacks in the white regions. Trying to make reordering so that all the blacks are together in some blocks and all the whites are together uh, in some blocks. But So, at least this is a principle that we can maximize optimize and this is the function. These are the example functions that we would like to optimize. Uh, find the permutations of rows and columns, such that we maximize this, uh, this function, for example. What is this function? Is, is actually it, it may look uh, scary, but this is simple. So we want to find the we want to find the reordering one permutation of rows and one permutation of uh, columns such that we maximize the number of uh, this sum across every from i is one to n j is one to n. So across every pixel, if we talk to the, uh, at least as pixel, every every for every pixel, we want to maximize uh, the value that if This is one. Then around it is all also one. So the black pixel has one, two, three, four neighbors that are all one. If if black is surrounded by blacks, then we want to uh, benefit that. If this value, if particular pixel has value one, then look at the north. um, This is the center. Uh, J plus one is uh, south, I believe, but well, now it depends which one, which one. But from one pixel, we look at the northeast, west, and south pixels, and if this is one, and all four are ones, then that pixel gets a score 4, because it's surrounded by the similar pixel. And if around that is uh, only two blacks and two whites, then this one gets score 2. So you can go across every single pixel, and ask if this is a, a black one, then how many surrounding ones are blacks? And this one only looks now at the north, uh, east, south, west, But you can also, in principle, say that oh, let's take all the all the eight neighbors into account. So this one only looks at the four neighbors uh, for black. Benefits uh, how many there are blacks. So uh, trying to find the permutation that makes sure that blacks are surrounded by black pixels. The individual black in there will get the score 0 because it's surrounded by only whites. And the black pixel should be next to the other black. So find the permutation that achieves this uh, maximum function. Uh, that is one example, or the other one is, for example, that tries to identify permutation of uh, rows and columns such that we, when we go across the rows or we go across the columns and we look at the difference between the uh, row-to-row distance, having distance, how many blacks have the same black uh, beneath them. So basically, doing the having distance, uh, these two rows are identical, therefore they get a high score. Uh, But this to that, uh, actually they get zero uh, for that that, uh, row to that row. So, uh, try to sort this is like the traveling salesman problem. Minimize, uh, uh, minimize the distance through every row. So basically, find me the, the way to go through all the rows, all the cities, to minimize the distance, city to city distances, using timing distance. So, doing traveling salesman problem on one dimension, doing traveling salesman problem in the other dimension, uh, what is the total? Uh, uh, maximum uh, of, of those two and uh, I believe in here they are independent so you can really do independent the rows and then independent the columns you don't uh, changing uh, changing the rows does not change the having distance between the columns so find the uh, uh, Reordering so that we maximize or minimize some some uh, finally the permutation that we uh, minimize some function on top of the matrices. Once we once we define what is the objective function, then you can just ask: Is there some optimization technique that tries to uh, optimize for that measure? You can do the classical simulated annealing genetic algorithms, evolutionary methods uh, in trying to optimize for the functions that are... To go through every permutation is uh, exponentially hard, so you can't uh, do that, of course. So, um, I don't want to philosoph- uh, put the philosophy... Well, I started with the graphs and then showed that they, they can be represented as matrices, Then it depends what is your view of the graph or matrix for different data. One or the other may be uh, better. So, if this is if these are the, the examples that we went through, but the same thing can be represented as a graph, as a uh, bipartite graph of the of the uh, attributes and and the locations, the rows and the columns and the links between them. So now it's up to you to decide whether uh, matrix representation or graph representation is better for this purpose. Uh, okay, the correlation thing, correlations between uh, the data, uh, these are the correlations uh, that are zero correlation, perfect correlation, negative perfect correlation. Uh, If there is no deviation, then it's always perfect correlation. There is zero correlation always in the dot blocks because there is no trend in the data. Uh, So the correlation alone does not say that the data doesn't have any relationships. On the other hand, these four, examples have exactly the same correlation, exactly the same regression line, the best fit linear regression line uh, through the data. They have exactly the same mean, uh, that the averages, uh, etc. So they are exactly numerically identical data, but visually, of course, you can observe that they are quite clear, clear and different. There is just one outlier uh, So, just a couple of uh, numbers summarizing the data is not, perhaps, always the best, uh, so we need to have these visualizations. And uh, visualizations of larger data may reveal us some important properties in the data. Uh, You can take some, I think the examples are from logistics, uh, from different fields. If you can take the uh, data, then you can visualize and you can interpret the data. Uh, that is represented in the visual uh, I can show you one example of a uh, uh, sort of visualization of trying to figure out what, what the data is about. Uh, um, which ones are the outliers? Which one is the black sheep is there? Which one is an outlier? Is, is this or that an outlier? Obviously this black one because it's taller. Right. So, Wait, I I was showing this visualization, the visualization, the variation, and kind i of sort of like, let's make the objective function try to reorder the rows and columns. But in here I'm going to show you just one heuristic uh, that tries to also capture the what is the most typical uh, data in this matrix. How to how to get out the most typical uh, cases, the most conformant uh, Rows and columns. Which row is the most typical example of, of all entire data? O4. But in here is zero, most have ones in here. This is zero, okay, that's others are zeros. This is one, there are more ones. This is one, there, but there are more zeros. So basically, I can ask so what is the most typical value in the first position? It should be zero. In here, it should be one. In here, it should be zero, one, one. Is there anything that is zero, one, zero, one, one? So it's 0, 1, 0, 1, 1. So 2 should be most typical example in a way. So uh, what we can do is that we can calculate how, what is the frequency of every different value 2, 4, uh, 4, 2, 2, 4, 4, 2, 4, 2, and then say 0, 1, 0, 1, 1 as the most typical uh, value. So, with these numbers, we can decorate these values now that 1 gets 2, 0 gets 4, so we can decorate these values two, four, four, two, four, four, for the score that how typical that value was. Right? Zeros were mm-hmm. more uh, typical, and there were four cases out of, out of six. But with these numbers, we can now calculate the Conformity index for the entire row 12, 20, 20, 16, 14. So these are identical rows, they get the same score. So this is kind of like conformity index by most common uh, values in the data. By most common values, stand, and with this index, we can just uh, sort by this value, right? 2, 3, 6. 4, 5, 1. Exactly the same thing we can say that for the uh, for the columns, that uh, 1 and 4 3, 2, 2, 3, 4, 1. We can do exactly the same thing in, the, in different order and get the conformity index, what are the most common uh, most typical columns in the data, and we get 2020, 18, 16, 12. So if we just now reorder by 2020, 18, 16, 14, 12, and 2020, 18, 16, 12, we get one reordering of the data. We get one reordering of the, of the data where the most typical rows are on the top and most typical columns are on the left. What was the speed of this algorithm? basically the size of the matrix went through a couple of times, sorted, uh, and again, and that's it. So very rapidly we can, uh, we can take a data matrix, instead of all the same permutations, etc. Uh, in this case, applying this algorithm, which is just uh, the size of the data is effectively, we can get one reordering of the values so that the most conformant uh, Rows and columns are highlighted on the left uh, top corner. So this is uh, this is an illustration of, of a heuristic that sometimes may work, sometimes may, maybe not. But it, it, it tries to bring out the most uh, conformant uh, cases, and then uh, these are sort of like exceptions or outliers at Okay, and, and then you can take all of this and it as a single-sql query. Anybody spots an error there? So you can made all these algorithms as a, a single-sql query, so you can say that, oh, I have my database, and then just run this uh, and I get the most confirmed cases. So this confirmed analysis is just one efficient way to explore the data and try to uh, bring out the most typical examples uh, quickly uh, and get some first-hand insights. And uh, if you have this, if your SQL tables are Properly named, then you can have uh, uh, decent point. So, uh, this is back to the, the original question sort of which node you want to be in the graph. This is the graph. You can have that, uh, say that this is some bottleneck machine that is important to cross from one part of manufacturing to the other or it can be in excellent position in supply chain so that you uh, control the sales uh, or this miserable love psychology that you are in a in the bad position uh, psychologically depending on the data on the matrices you can identify or on the graphs and matrices you, you can identify specific nodes and then it can be uh, depending on the underlying data it can be one of these uh, uh, semantically identified types of nodes. If you were wondering how to do the manual reordering, then this is how. These are the uh, pixel matrices. Having holes, so you can put the, 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 the needle through the entire row and just put it into the new location. If you want to reorder the column, you can just take the entire column and move to the next column position. Of course, you can do it by hand, by fingers, without the names as well. But this is how you can uh, how you can do, them. a computer in here computes the reordering of the matrices. So the word "computer" was a job uh, that was done by the people who computed on paper. Why? Do, why do they- Sorry? Why were they doing this? To analyze data. There were this archaeological data, the different uh, types of data that you you have down the line, uh, data, try to figure, make the sense out of this uh, data. So, yeah. it's. Uh, i just write a small script or call a, a, a function and there you have it. But it's, it's not clear whether she would do a better job on this machine than you would. She might actually do a better job by trying to put so much more background information into this process. Okay, so... Um, this wraps up uh, this part. We went through data mining, uh, trying to, I, I tried to tell you that it's an exploratory field, we need to explore the data using whichever uh, means uh, best suited for that particular data. You need to understand the data, uh, trying to figure out what, is, what do we uh, want to achieve from the data and then figure out which method is the most applicable. Uh, sometimes you just uh, summarize, visualize data, sometimes you start to find the, uh, find the clusters, sometimes you want to do the uh, pattern detection, like at uh, uh, the same priority, the uh, uh, association rules. try to identify the association patterns in the data, or the predictive modeling. So in the machine learning you will do the predictions, and the uh, entire data mining field is basically covering Everything from the data processing, visualization to the to the prediction and uh, decision making by people or machines. Uh, the decision making, the actual live uh, decision. Um, okay, so next week we will have a lecture, and we will have practice sessions as well next week, right? Um, so. Then in two weeks' time, with uh, no, I, I know, because I don't give the next week is the practice session, right? Mm-hmm. And then in two weeks' time, we have the, the, presentation. the presentation. So you, you will have uh, even after the practice session, you have one and a half weeks to, to do the uh, project, complete the project. I know it's tough for you. I know, it's somewhere out there, it may be the. Uh, Two days ago, there was a summer. Now it's cold coming with the end. You you can focus on this. Okay, see you next week.